if I hadn't stuck with it and I hadn't had just allowed it to do what it needed to do, at least from my own perspective, that uh, my family wouldn't have been eating and we wouldn't have had a house. And so there was some really big stakes. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Welcome yeah. to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today I have Christopher Nesbitt, a returning guest. He last appeared on episode 19 of the No Degree Podcast, which was over two and a half years ago. Chris is one of my best friends and business partners. We've been through highs and lows, and I've learned so much from him. If you want to listen to his previous story, feel free to go back to the earlier episode, but we're going to go after 2020. That was when we started the virtual events company and we really had no idea. We just knew it was going to work out, but we really did not expect how much. We were so scrappy back then. It was like we, anything and everything we could get our hands on to work on as just a project, we would do it. And then all of a sudden we were, we were doing these huge gigs and it was fantastic. But it was definitely, a, a. it started out as just anything and everything. You know, you've done many businesses before. What business skills really helped you in this business? Staying calm. <laughs> um, I think the marketing helped quite a bit, uh, or at least the graphic design specifically part of it. We ended up being able to sell a product around the ability to design and kind of knowing the tools and how do they get applied to different file types. And then we were able to do that on top of a, another platform and sell that as a product. And so that, that was really valuable, but I would say staying calm has probably um, gone a long way for both me, but also the organizations that we've started and ambition. You know, obviously as you go through these iterations of different businesses and different phases of your life, you pick up a little bit here and there, but, you know, having, having the ability to just keep going and trying new things and starting new things too is, is it's all exciting. It definitely is. So you were a very important part of the business and you brought a lot of these business skills. When you go into these meetings How'd you have the confidence? Because I remember being in these meetings and you were like, no, we're not going to give a discount. We're going to go in there. We're going to get our word. Like, how do you go in and do that? I think we were all giving discounts at the beginning just because we wanted to make sure that we understood the product and what people needed out of it. But towards the end there, you know, and certainly when, when things were good, we were too busy to a certain extent. So we needed to kind of stem that tide a little bit and if it was going to be the difference between giving a discount and getting the job and not giving the discount and not getting another job, we needed to test that. And so it kind of helped even things out. I wouldn't necessarily say it was a confidence thing. It was just kind of a, it was more of a calculated decision to that we were worth what we were charging and more. And so we didn't need to give the discount anymore. We still gave it to, to the right people, but it was a lot more reserved after a period of time. At any point in time, did anybody ever ask you about college during any of the sales meeting or anything of that sort? I don't let them. <laughs> I, I, I just don't. 
you know, and, and there's certain customers, if you get a feel for who they are, they will actually, you'll actually kind of start riffing with them a little bit. And I joke around nowadays because I've, I've been able to put enough behind me as far as experience and my story or our story and the accomplishments that have happened along the way that even if I did or I didn't have a degree, it wouldn't matter. It's more about the things that we're doing right now that matter. And um, I think that people gravitate towards that. And I've never had a problem, certainly not in the last several years of not having a degree. So uh, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I don't have one because it's it's allowed me to move in different directions and and not be confined to certain understandings and weighed down by the debt and all the things that we talk about with you know the degree the education is still very important but it doesn't necessarily have to come from a classroom and it doesn't have to be from the debt load so what business skills really came in handy during this business because this is one of those businesses where for me and you everything came together like all our prior experiences and us together and our other business partner Nas it all came together and that's how we made it work. So what were the things that you learned outside the classroom that really came in handy? Well, it was stuff that, I, yeah, it was definitely stuff that I hadn't learned in the classroom and I, I did go to college. I just didn't get the degree and um, I took a bunch of classes there, but I would say that the things that worked in our favor were things like strategy and strategy, you can really, the best way to learn it is to try things that work and try things that don't. And I've tried a lot of things, so it worked well that I was like, okay, we don't go down that path, that path, that path. We can talk about it a little bit, but you know, I've got a few experiences where it just didn't work out and it's not really worth our time to go test it again. Um, and these are the reasons why. And so that I think is definitely something that came from outside of the classroom and you and I talk about this a lot kind of offline, but I think that there's that saying of, you know, like good artists copy, great artists steal. So like I worked for a lot of really big companies and I got to watch some of the really powerful things that they did. Um, and we went and copied it, right? We went, and we redid it and okay, copied it. It worked great. And we stole it and we just ran with it. You know, it wasn't necessarily like IP that we, took and it didn't hurt anybody by doing that. It just made our business better by understanding it. That's one of the best ways. And I do it a lot too, where you look at, okay, this person, I know they're doing well. Let me look at what they're doing and let me see what they're doing right. And let me see what they're doing wrong, right? What they could do better. And what can I apply? Just because someone's doing something and it works for them doesn't mean it's going to work for me, but I can use that as inspiration, as guidance. And I think the process of reverse engineering what works is really important and it's a super underrated skill, right? That's what we did. We're like, okay, this is working. How do we reverse engineer it? Especially with how fast we had to grow. Uh, we grew fast, really fast. Yeah. Um, and you have to be able to do things that you don't have months to figure it out, right? You've got days to figure it out. And so you need to find the solution really, really quickly. You're not going to sit at home and think about how that goes together when you need a solution tomorrow, you're going to go out and find the person who did it right. Or maybe you've been watching for a few years and you just got it in the back of your mind. I would do this in that situation. Um, and you can implement it really quickly. Part of that was we actually did sales for a company and we did a lot of things. And just like Chris says, you don't have 
long time. You only have like days to figure things out. And sometimes you have to figure out things during hours. And we were in a completely new industry. So it's not like even if you had a degree, there was no degree that could have prepared you for this. It's a new industry in a new area for something unprecedented. And you just had to figure it out. So did you ever do sales before? No, I did retail sales, but I'd never done um, contract sales at that level. But I did have a lot of experience with scaling and a lot of experience with marketing. And so those kind of all go together um, with what we ended up doing. And again, you know, when we talk about kind of that patience and being calm, um, that's what got, us, got me through that anyways. It was just like, okay, I need to get in there, have these meetings, learn the, the dialogue that I need to have with these customers and just start talking to people and figuring it out as we go along. You know, there's a lot of value in like out of the frying pan into the fire is an old saying that gets tossed around quite a bit is like, if you can just get going on something and figure it out as you go along, there's a lot of value in that. That's probably the best education there is out there. Yeah, no, it is the best education. I, I learned so much about myself just learned so much about business and I know I'll always have that experience going forward. Now, what were some new things you learned along the way? Uh, scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that's probably the most valuable piece that I brought away from, from the last two and a half, three years, um, which has just been a blur. But, um, you know, that, that there are tools out there that will help you stack your day if you're busy. So if you've got a lot of people who are jockeying for your time and you need to slot a lot of things into a day, let a computer do it. Like um, we were using a couple different forms of, of scheduler links. And so somebody said, I want a meeting. And so you just send them the link and let them pick their time. Well, then the ball's in their court. They're picking their time, what works for them. There's not like, you know, two days of back and forth. So it's really fast. But in addition to that, like I could have 10 meetings stacked because people are just picking the empty slots, right? And it's all automatic. It kind of like shuts off your availability based on the meetings that you take in. So that was really, really valuable. And it makes things so much smoother. And we, we got really slick with that our operation by the, you know, once we got up and running and kind of up to steam um, to the point where we had like this branded link that we were using a bit.ly and different, different tools to just make it all very cohesive that and templates and then kind of processes that we were able to follow once the meeting came in and what it would take to get it closed and what steps we needed to go through to pull something over the finish line. And it made us really efficient to be able to take advantage of that kind of stuff. Automation and these tools, they make things so much easier. Now, what were some things that surprised you about yourself? Uh, I don't think we talked about this so much on the last episode, but I, I think... Um, I've known for a while that I've had a, a fear of success. And a lot of people laugh when I say fear of success, like, oh, that's, you know, either they say that's not a thing or what is that? I've never heard of that before. A lot of people hear a fear of failure, but fear of success is a totally different beast. And this last couple of years has taught me that I can do a lot more than I trust myself to do. I always had a lot of ambition and always had a lot of confidence in myself. But that fear, fear of success kind of lurks under the surface and sabotages the, the big projects that you're working on and, and the outcomes. And so the last couple of years has really taught me, like, you can do this. And now it just makes that, like, foundational fallback point, I guess you'd call it, much bigger, much higher than it had been in the past. So um, 
that's definitely something that I've learned and I'm, I'm grateful for it. It's uh, it was a big step for me as an individual, as an entrepreneur. Now, what was integral for you getting over that fear of success? Uh, I didn't have an option. It was do or die. So I had uh, just left my big corporate job um, in November of 2019, I think. And uh, I had told myself I was going to work for myself when that happened. And I just went big and I just did everything I possibly could think of to just stay busy. And, you know, the money was, money was holding okay. We got really lucky kind of with the timing of everything. Um, But if I hadn't stuck with it and I hadn't just allowed it to do what it needed to do, at least from my own perspective, that uh, my family wouldn't have been eating and we wouldn't have had a house. And so there was some really big stakes for me personally um, that I, I just couldn't fail. It wasn't even an option. It wasn't on the table. And so now I kind of take that, I guess, fear, <laughs> right? And I, I try to synthesize that a little bit and like create pressure around the things that I'm working on now so that I guarantee that I have to move forward on them. There were some other things that you mentioned that like you saved properly. And this is something you don't learn in school. Money management is a big topic. And it's so important in entrepreneurship because we've come across and I've seen so many entrepreneurs who make a lot of money and then they lose it all, right? They, your lifestyle can always scale with the amount of money you make. As an entrepreneur, like there are times you're going to make lots of money and there are times you're just going to make no money or you're even going to lose money that month. But you have to be able to ride the waves in order to stick with it. And a lot, it take, things take time. So how would you sort of learn how to manage your money and how did it help you? The real teacher of that skill for me was a, a company that I had started uh, before I had moved to Grand Rapids and taken that corporate job and ran that company for like four years. And we plowed every penny that came into the business back into the business. And I learned the hard way that you have to pay yourself. If you don't pay yourself, then there's nothing to cover you when the company or the job or whatever it is isn't paying you. And uh, everything falls apart really quickly when there's no money. So, um, you know, over the course of the next three or four years while I was doing my big, big boy corporate job, I'd say, um, I was sticking money away the whole time and making investments to try and help make it easier for me to not necessarily have to rely on a job at least for a period of time, you know, nothing's permanent, but, you know, so I was able to build up a little nest egg. um, And then we had some investments that kind of helped carry us through as well. Just monthly things that came in uh, that helped pay other bills. And um, yeah. And then when we were doing well, and I think you remember me talking about this is like, got to stay, you got to save the money. Um, You know, like you said, there were months where we would get 20,000, $30,000 a month. I hadn't been trying to stick, like personally, if I hadn't been sticking it away in a bank account somewhere, um, I would have been right back where I was when I started, where I'd be working for a company and and trying to have somebody else pay my bills for me. So because I was able to stick some money away, I was able to make some more investments towards the end of the the big boom and then, um, you know, been able to survive as things changed a little bit. Yeah. So what was the hardest period of time you went through the past two and a half years? Probably the last year or so. <laughs> uh, everything opening back up was really tough on our company. I'm happy that it happened because it's, you know, that's people's lives. But, um, you know, we had an inverse relationship with the, 
the whole lockdown situation. So when things were locked down, it was good for us. But I'm totally sympathetic and empathetic to what that meant to a lot of other people. But um, so when that changed, that was a, a tough, tough blow for our company. I mean, it was, what would you say, 50, 50 to 80 percent. It was pretty yeah. significant. Um, spending on the month of contraction in the market. And so we went from living off of this company to living off our savings some months. And so, you know, again, coming back to those lessons of like learning to save, learning to to live off your own income made a big difference. And so that's been tough. I mean, you know, and then you, you scramble, you figure out new things. We ended up starting another company. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, you always have to adapt. Like when it comes to business careers, entrepreneurship, you have to adapt. There's no way around it. I've seen it happen to people who've been in business 10, 20 years, shut down overnight, or things happen, business partner, economy, innovation. And you just have to adapt. There's nothing you can do about it. Like you can complain, but the fact is the market's going to do something and you're going to have to react and you're going to have to adapt and make sure during the good times you're stacking things away. And that you're always thinking about the future. I think that's one thing that we always did, that we thought about the future and we were very proactive. Obviously, things have changed. Now, what excites you now? You've obviously learned a lot about yourself, but what really excites you and gets you going? Thinking about writing a book. Uh, that's got me got me pretty excited when I, you know, late night when there's no one around and I'm thinking about different projects. And that's one of those things that's just kind of got my senses tingling right now. And it's like, hmm, that could be fun. And it's kind of a big chunk of that book will probably be about what we've been through in the last couple of years and what I learned through that process and why some of those skills are not going to be things you're going to get through college. And you have to do the experience in order to gain the skills. So um I think that's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. What skills are you still trying to get? One that I've been working on over the last year, which has always been a pretty elusive one to me, is uh, copywriting. Being able to, to write professionally enough that I feel confident to put it out there for large volumes of undisclosed people to read and, and not be overly judged on that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I've, I've done a lot of that over the last year. I'm going to be doing a lot more of that uh, in the coming year or so, not just with the book, but with some other contracts I've taken on. And um, so it's it's a good opportunity to push yourself and challenge yourself. And so that's certainly been important to me is just continuing to try and learn new things, push my boundaries, challenge myself, um, challenge those around me and just try to be better human beings. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you left your job where did you think you would kind of end up well uh like i said i think that within about an hour or so so the 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 way it went was i basically left the job and within an hour of that i was on the phone with one of my longtime advisors who was in an industry that i have always respected which was marketing and he he's kind of mentored me and advised me in different companies and always been there for me. So I was on the phone with him real quick and said, Hey, look, you know, this is what just went down. And he's, he told me, he's like, I've been following you really closely for the last couple of years while you've been working on this this corporate project. Um, and you've done a fantastic job. What do you, you know? And so we, within that hour, we realized that I could very easily go out on my own and do that. 
Um, and so we, we worked on that for a month or two to get it up and running and ready. And thankfully to my previous experience, I was able to kind of fire that business up really fast. I knew what needed to happen to get it up and running. But yeah, I mean, that the feeling when I left, some of it was relief. Um, it wasn't a, an entirely uh, nurturing environment that I was in. Uh, it, was, it wasn't good for me personally. It, it's probably the, the nicest way I can say it. Um, and then some of it was fear. Obviously, it's a scary thing to go through and try and raise a child and have a, feed a wife and have a house over our head and all those things. It's all stuff that was going through my head, but I knew I knew that I was going to be out on my own doing something that was that I had some ownership in, um, whether it was 100 percent or fractional or whatever it was that I was I had a little bit of control over my own destiny and I didn't have to cut through that red tape every time I wanted to go explore a new concept or a new idea. That's definitely one of the best things about entrepreneurship. It's like you can just dive into it, right? That there's really no one stopping you, that you don't have to ask for permission. You just can move forward. Now, you've learned so much about yourself. How are you more efficient than you were two and a half years ago? I I would say that I've got more skills to back up my confidence now. Um, I, I still had a lot of skills back then, but they were more tactical. They were on the ground. And I've gone through a lot of strategic planning processes now over the last couple of years. And I think that that backs up that confidence a lot more because now it's executable. Um, and so I think that's probably the main one. What's still on your bucket list of in terms of like businesses that you want to do? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> it's a long list. I don't, think I'll, I don't think I'll ever be done. You asked that. I mean, I've got, what, four companies now, um, various stages of startup and handling different things. And then I do fractional leadership for more than one thing. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't ever like to sit still. But I, I, there is a project that I wanted to do a few years ago that I had to put down because the situation was just not good, um, which was called, a, it was a nightclub called Wicked. And we were going to open it out on the East Coast. It was like everything was perfect. Like the branding was there. The excitement was there. The need was there. So maybe one day when I've made lots of money and I have a, a small fortune. Um, how do you make a small fortune on pretty much anything? You start with a big fortune. So that's probably what that's going to require is having a lot of money to plow into something that's not going to make a ton of money. <laughs> so this was one of the companies that had a lot more workers than the previous companies, right? Which one? The current one, the virtual events one. Yeah, definitely. How'd you learn management? Because that's something that you don't learn at school. Yeah. And because a lot of people who go to school are not typically good managers, right? It's more about your interaction with people, knowing how to deal with situations. How'd you learn that? I've always fallen fairly comfortably into leadership roles everywhere I've been. Um it seems like whenever I apply for a job, management just kind of is implied. Um, I was in leadership organizations growing up and always kind of rose to the top of that, whether it was the ambition or the confidence, I don't know necessarily, but I was always very comfortable in that role. So I've done it for a long time. And I had a, I had a lot of really good role models in my life that were leaders. And um, I got to see what they did 
and then over the like I said over the years just doing it a lot but I also I'm pretty empathetic when it comes to people I can kind of understand what they might be going through and so that tempers my temper I guess sometimes um that helps me be able to stay cool enough where I'm able to to uh understand how I'm coming across to them and I'm always trying to whether this is a leadership tactic or just a personal introspection tactic is being able to like look at myself, how other people might be seeing me and adjust based on that. So being present in the moment. It's so underrated. And I feel like in so many places, like empathy is not really talked about. Like people will say it, but a lot of leadership that I've seen is mostly on control. And I find that it's very hard to control people you have to meet them where they're at and you have to understand their motivations. And I think once you do that, you just get people who really care and they see that you care about them and therefore they care about you and the goals of your business. And I, ho- I hope that's a new trend in leadership because I have a boss that cares and things are so much better, right? And the bosses that cared are the ones that you perform the best under and the ones that don't care, you just don't perform as good, right? You're not the best version of yourself. So what is a story that you want to share from the last two and a half years that oh like gosh. really shows <laughs> just how much you've grown? Um, we had a, an event that was really challenging uh, over Halloween. We knew that we'd done everything right and it was just hard, you know, just stuff didn't go our way. And so when you realize that not everything's in your control and you do the best that you can every time you, you can walk away and feel good about what you've done, no matter the outcome. Literally, I think it was literally a week later, we knocked it out of the park and it was actually even more complex than the one we had ran the week before. So like the one that should have gone really, really well didn't. And the one that went really, really well was like, it was a big badge of honor because we pulled it off. And, um, so I'd say that, that, uh, you know, never, never just take one bad day as truth, um, that it could just be a blip on the radar. And if you let that tear you down or, or, you know, break you up, then, um, then you got some work to do on yourself, on, on your business, on yourself, all of it. But, you know, that next one really recharged us and we've really come out of it pretty strong. It's always about just learning and getting better, right? That's what entrepreneurship is. You're never going to be perfect on the first try, but learn from it. You're going to have good days, bad days. Don't let the bad days, you know, bring you down. Just use it as learning lessons and the good days have them bring you up. We've had our fair share of both and we just keep getting better over time. And then sometimes you may out of nowhere just have the bad days for things totally outside your control and that's okay and i think it's important to just keep up the momentum keep up the positive energy and you know things will get better and again that's just it's just not something you're going to learn in school you're just going to learn it on the go as a business owner the most important lessons in business you're just going to learn by doing business right you can read about negotiation but when you're dealing with a client and there's like a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50K deal, you're going to forget a lot of things and you're just going to act. I'll tell you a secret. 
the bigger the job, the easier it is to negotiate. <laughs> yeah, you're working with, you know, it's funny that we've had a lot of clients and it's like the ones who don't pay the, have the smaller events. They're like, oh, can we get this off? Can we get this off? And the bigger ones are like, all right, cool. How do we send the money? <laughs> like, well, how do I add these things? Like, can you charge us more? Is that possible? <laughs> like, So your contracts usually grow when they're bigger and, and shrink when they're smaller, when they start out. So yeah, no, that's yeah. a that's a really good point there. The other thing I've also seen is that the soft skills matter a lot more for the bigger clients, right? You're going to have offbeat conversations, conversations going to go in different topics, and you have to know how to just relate to them because you got to be memorable. It's competitive. They're choosing different vendors. And, you know, there are other vendors who can, you know, do similar things sometimes. and if you can show that you really care, you can show that you relate to them. That's a lot of times that's what changes. the They like you. I mean, sometimes it comes down to you may not be cheaper than the other person, but you're better and they like you more. I mean, we talk about price constantly. Um, You know, higher prices are not a bad thing. In fact, they can help differentiate you against somebody else uh, in the market because uh, sometimes the higher price one shows that you are actually truly worth more. It's something about pricing. Pricing is one of those things that you just have to understand whether you're going for your negotiating your salary, you're negotiating a price of a service, that price means a lot, right? If you are not charging a lot, it means that you yourself do not value that or you don't think it's worth that. And if you don't think it's worth that, how can you get someone to pay that? And you don't have to get everyone to pay that. You just have to get a certain client or a certain number of clients to pay that. And it's one of those things that you just learn and it's crazy. I remember when we had an event and we charged like 300 bucks, we were so happy. We're like, whoa, we pay, we're paying like, oh, we're almost paying the monthly fee and we're so happy and we split it. And then I remember we had an event that was like 1200 bucks and we're like, oh my God. And now it's like 1200 bucks. It's like, oh, whatever, you know? Yeah. And and still are doing big ones too. I mean, I think that's the the point that's interesting is like really the ones that stuck around and are still doing virtual events. They're the bigger clients. They're the ones that want to do something really cool for their their internal staff. You know, town hall or could be a forward facing one for their customers, peer review, whatever it is. The bigger ones, the ones that stuck around. So, but we we do have a, a saying internally like small, consistent things keep the lights on. The big jobs grow the business. So. You know, we do like to see both, but um, yeah, lots of lots of little things. I mean, it's always these little sayings that just kind of like hold it all together. And you don't realize that you picked them up over the years. You just kind of you're thinking about it when you when you're going through something. You're like, yeah, I remember this little saying I heard from my dad or from that mentor or from a boss or whoever. And you're like, that works really well here. Maybe we should apply that. And then when you work, use that, it's like, oh, that's why they said it. Like it was really really good. <laughs> this reminds me, if you don't have a degree go for newer industries because newer industries don't have the same requirements. Like in the virtual events industry, you can't have someone with 10 years of virtual event experience. There's no degree in virtual events and all that. It's just, who are the people that know this stuff? Right? Our clients were like, all right, they didn't know anything. We knew it. We guided them. We're the experts. It literally did not matter our backgrounds. None of us even had the background. I mean, you were the most qualified in terms of the marketing. The rest of us did not have this background. <laughs> Uh, we just I just spent had, a uh, lot of time. Yeah. 
I had some experience with webinars. Well, quite a bit of experience with webinars, but yeah. webinars were, I mean, so webinars and virtual events are, you know, even today yeah. are very different, but I think they're now they're starting to blend and like people are calling virtual events webinars just to get off the virtual events terminology. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was really interesting to see. Yeah. And also who showed up in the industry too, because it wasn't just us that that happened to, it's like people lost their jobs. They're looking for something to do. Oh, found this. I'm going to try this. And so um, I think the industry got a lot of really interesting people involved unintentionally, but yeah, you, know, you don't have to, that's, that's the thing I think is important for people to take away. You don't have to have a degree in something to go do it. Most people who have a degree aren't even in working in the, the, you know, the focus that they went to school for. So like, you know, a lot of people go get an English degree, but then they go work at a bank. Like, yeah. how does that, how does that work? You can get an accounting degree. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the thing. It's like, just go do things. Stop asking for permission. Go get the experience. Start your own thing because no one's going to stop you, right? When you start your own thing, you're literally going to get the experience. Like for us, we just spent a lot of time on a virtual event platform. We learned the ins and outs. We figured out that it had value. We tried it. We networked. It led to things. You know, we went, to, you know, we're over where we did well over a million dollars in sales. And now we're on to the next thing. And that's really what life is about. And we probably won't even have experience in the next thing, but we'll somehow figure it out. I think what it really comes down to is like, your, like you mentioned soft skills, like being able to talk to customers and take care of them the way they expect to be taken care of. Or like, you know, you can, you can manage the money as it comes through the business and just don't get yourself in trouble kind of stuff. Like if you could do all of that and learn a new skill while you're going along, then you'll be fine, you know, as far as like starting your own thing. And like, I'm a big fan of like, start four or five things, see what works. You can drop something whenever you want, but if something takes off, then, you know, you're, you're in good shape. So, um, that's what I do anyways. <laughs> it's just like, okay, well that thing's tapering down now. I've got three other things that I can start boosting up. And I know you're the same way too. So it's a, it's a good skill set to have to just keep yourself busy. No, I mean, I love keeping myself busy. I love learning. I love networking. I get a lot of ideas from just talking to other people. So, yeah, I want to thank you for your time. This was like definitely a fun episode. Uh, do you want to talk about the latest business we started? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we are doing web design now. So, you know, a little smaller scale businesses, uh, younger entrepreneurs and startups, Um small to medium-sized e-commerce sites. Um, and that's going pretty well. I think uh, the people we've worked with have been pretty happy so far. Uh, we've gotten more clients than we had hoped for this year, which is always fantastic. And uh, we're doing well with that. So it's if anybody needs that, get a hold of us. <laughs> yeah. What's the website name? Super Funworks. It's kind of exciting. It's it's the first non-like rigid name we've done. So. Yeah. So yeah, if you need a website, check out superfunworks.com. How would people get in contact with you? LinkedIn. So just Christopher Nesbitt. I'm the guy who's got the, the pointing, the red pointing uh, profile picture. And uh, yeah, just shoot me a message. I mean, send me a connection request and let's chat. All right. Thanks, Christopher. And we'll keep in touch and looking forward to part three when two years from now. <laughs> me too. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by 
You. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show's worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.